Disruption can mean only one thing. This is Jam Transmissions, a Star Wars podcast. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Jam Transmissions. I, of course, am your host, Mr. Rick Villanueva, and uh, guys, it has been a crazy, crazy couple of weeks. Um, first of all, I've said this before, guys, thank you all so much for your patience. Um, you know, I said this when the show was coming back, that there was going to be no set schedule for the way things were going, and this whole last year has been really crazy for us. Um but, you know, we can get into some of the particulars in a second. So I just want to say thank you for everybody for uh, being patient, sticking around and uh, listening in right now, because um, this is something that I do love to do. Uh, times like right now, I just don't get a chance to do it as often as I'd like to. But hopefully that will change as we go forward. So um, like I said up top, this is episode 120 of Jam Transmissions. And... Um, yeah, there's been a lot going on, guys. Um, so I want to talk very quickly about something that happened uh, just this past weekend. Uh, the Podathon 2022 happened, and it was 14 hours, I believe, of live streams on YouTube, all to benefit Make-A-Wish. Um, you might have seen my face in some promos that went out for it uh, ahead of time. And if you were watching the stream as it happened, um, I was asked to cut a couple of promos for it, which I gladly did. So it was nice to have a very tiny, tiny part in what Potathon was all about. Uh, and what it was all about was raising money for Make-A-Wish. And this year, the lads over there raised over $16,000. Um, almost $4,400 of that came in before the event started. So their goal was $10,000. And they still pulled in another twelve during the event. And that is pretty amazing. So to uh, Nick and Pete Fletzer and Scotty J. Rowe and everybody that was involved with Podathon, all the podcasters, all of the uh, people who contributed, um, the people who donated things to for giveaways and things like that, all the winners, um, big shout out to Alden Diaz. Uh, he had an amazing interview with Ryan Johnson. Brian from Pink Milk interviewed Christina Ariel. So many big names, uh, Scotty and Jerry interviewed Seth Green. It was uh, a really fun day. I didn't get to catch all of it. Uh, I did have to work while it was going on, but it was everything that I did see was really fun. And I'm glad everybody, um, you know, I was, I sent Scotty messages saying, you know, I'm glad to see everybody's hard work finally put into action. So uh, I'm sure there will be a couple of very um, happy kids with uh, some wishes come true uh, on the back end of this. And, you know, Foundations like Make-A-Wish are always accepting donations. So I'm sure if you just look up their website, you can, you know, gladly or, you know, just send along whatever you can because, um, you know, there's always kids in need. So kudos to everybody that was involved with all of that um, with Pot of Thought 22, 2022, excuse me. So let's get into some uh, some little personal stuff here, guys, and why I've been kind of away. Um, you know, the last episode we did was a couple of book reviews and the episode before that we had King Tom on to talk about the Andor trailer. And since then, we've had like a slew of ads and there's been another trailer. Um, just a lot of stuff has happened. So I can finally say for us and my family, we are finally moved into our new place. Uh, it's been a nightmare dealing with our moving company. Um, they can all go straight to fucking hell, uh, that whole crew, uh, except for the actual guys who did the move off the truck. Uh, they were great. But the behind the scenes people, the always people, they can eat shit because um, they were awful and we got scammed and it sucks. Um, but regardless of all of that, you know, it is nice to have all of our things back um, to know that everything is accounted for. Nothing's been damaged. You know, you know, scrapes and 
you know, things like that on some furniture, nothing major, but, you know, just to know that we have everything. And, you know, Isaac's room is, you know, now set up and he started school and, you know, there's just been a lot, a lot of stuff going on. Um, you know, with all of that, I've been able to go back and, you know, as I'm opening boxes, you know, seeing things that I haven't looked at in a while, some things that were in storage before the move that we now have with us, um, that I've been able to tear into some things and kind of post some pictures of some things here and there. But, you know, it is nice to have uh, the hashtag hardcover army back in my possession and a lot of my comic books that I hadn't had a chance to look at in a while. Um, some of which I'll probably be parting with in the near future because I just I've got a lot of stuff and I, I think I really need to kind of trim the fat. I've got a lot of books that I really don't want or need anymore. But as I was going through some of these boxes, you know, I found my Dark Horse comic Heir to the Empire number one that um, I did not know had the value that it does. You know, I saw a copy at Motor City Comic Con a few months ago uh, for like $250 and it was, you know, it wasn't graded. It wasn't CGC, nothing like that. Um, it was just in a bag and board in good shape. And my copy, I think, is in better shape. Um, I know I paid $3 for it because it still has the sticker on it when I bought it back in probably 97 thereabouts because I don't think I bought it when it was new. Um, but, uh, and I never read it because I only have one other issue from that miniseries. I have issue four. Um, so I never, I never cracked the comics. You know, clearly I've read the novels, but I've never read the comic adaptation. So it's been sitting there and, you know, to see that, you know, some of these things are now back in my possession. Some of the other books that I have, um, you know, with D23 last week, they were talking about a lot of the Marvel stuff and they were talking about Ironheart and it just dawned on me. Like I have Riri Williams first appearances in the Invincible Iron Man, uh, the two issues that she first appeared in. I don't have the first appearance of the suit, I don't think, or her as Ironheart, but I think she was a cameo in one book and then a full appearance in the next. And they're not consecutive. It's like issues seven and nine. Um, books like that, that I just kind of forgot that I had that I was going through and just kind of checking this stuff out again. Um, I went in the garage here where some of the stuff that was in storage previously is now in there. Um, and uh, got these big old tubs of, you know, some of my, my old toys and, uh, you know, I started taking some pictures and I found a binder full of Star Wars Galaxy trading cards from probably 93 or 94. And um, if you're in the Tumbling Saber Facebook group, I posted all of the pictures for them there and I posted one on Twitter, um, but I'll probably do a few more on Twitter so that people can see those things. Um, but again, all those are cards. A lot of them are like concept art. So some of the images are, um, you know, they're available, they're out there. And, you know, if you had those cards, you know what they look like. They're pretty awesome. But there's a couple of really, really cool ones. Um, there's one, the, the pic that I posted on Twitter. It's Leia holding Vader's mask and holding a, like a yellow lightsaber. Um, it's a really cool image. There's an image that I think Tim Bradstreet did of a bounty hunter. Uh, it's got this really wicked kind of curved knife. Um, there's an image. I'm forgetting some of the artist names. I didn't look on the back of the cards. I, I didn't take them out of the sleeves, but uh, there's an image of Yoda kind of like sitting at like a, almost like a desk or a writing table in his hut on Dagobah. And he's got this very uh, contemplative look on his face and just very stern, like stern and, and serious. It's a very cool image, but it was really cool to kind of look at some of that stuff again. A lot of my 12 inch action collection figures from the nineties, I've got maybe, I don't know, 30 or 40 of those. Um, and again, something I kind of forgot I had, I have a 12 inch Han with the carbonite block. It was a two pack. Um, what I do remember about a lot of those is that a lot of them were exclusive to say like KB toys, toys. Um, that's for the older, uh, the older folks at KB toys went out of business a long time ago. And when they were going out of business is when I managed to snag a lot of these figures because a lot of them have clearance stickers on them. Um, and I know those, the big double packs were, um, they weren't cheap, uh, relative to the time when, when we bought them, but to get them all marked down, um, was, was a pretty cool, uh, thing to get way back in the day. So, um, yeah. And then some of just my, my old vintage stuff, you know, I still have the box from, from my rebel transport, seeing my snow speeder and, um, a lot of that stuff. Um, it was kind of cool to see, you see again, and all my old three and three quarters I actually have in the apartment with me, all my black series figures that I haven't had in almost a year. Um, 
yeah, it's it's been kind of a trip to kind of go through and see some of this stuff again. Uh, it's just nice to have an old guy. I went to it, and I told uh, my friend Kevin, uh, he knows who he is, that um, I went through and hugged <laughs> every piece of Star Wars uh, merchandise that I've bought over the last forty some odd years, um, and apologized for keeping them in the dark for as long as I did. But they're back in my possession, and I love them, and they're great. Um, but along with like kind of collectibles and stuff, I was talking with somebody the other day and I'm not going to say who it is or how I know them because there's connections can be made. Um, but this, we were talking about collecting and, you know, I was talking about, I have all these star Wars books and just other books that are signed by authors and stuff like that. And he was saying that what he used to do is something that it, it, it hurt my soul to hear it. But what he would do is he would go to you know, whatever bookstores, um, and they would have like signed editions of their books and he would buy whatever was on the shelf, you know, six, eight, 10 copies of whatever signed books that were there. And, uh, for specificity here, he said that he had a number of books signed by Carrie Fisher. Now, immediately I was like, oh, that's great. Like in my head, I'm thinking I would love to have one of those books. But then what he told me next uh, is what really crushed me. So he said, and he collected a bunch of stuff. He had like signed baseball, like uh, baseballs and baseball cards and like all tons and tons of stuff. But what he said, what he would do is, or what he did was um, after Carrie Fisher died, he embrace yourself uh, collectors. He cut the autographs out of the book and sold those separate from the book. Uh, and his reasoning was that the books themselves don't hold any value. And boy, did my heart sink when he said that. Um, for people in this space, if you buy and collect books, you know the value of books on their own can sometimes go up. Um, sometimes, obviously, signed books have a different kind of value. Um, a lot of my signed books are personalized. So, I mean, that might be something that's harder to sell in the secondary market. Obviously, I have no plans to. But so he told me he had uh, like six or eight different Carrie Fisher autographs that he cut out of the books and um, mounted them in like small frames and sold them individually um, for a few hundred dollars a piece after she died. And I was like, you dummy. Um, having a signed book. I mean, that's kind of, for something like that, it kind of gives the autograph a little bit of provenance, uh, provenance because, you know, you're buying it from the bookseller. A lot of times the booksellers have them marked as signed editions or there'll be something like with the um, out of print or Goldsboro books. They are specific editions for those um, booksellers. Um, so there might be something that says, you know, this is a legit autograph thing, but to sell it separately without authentication or uh, yeah, would like to me it diminishes the value. Not to mention that it's a book. Like <laughs> you don't cut pages out of books. Uh, at least I, that's my thinking. You know, like, I don't even like dog earring pages. Um, I read all my books, even my, my limiteds and my signs. I cracked all those books. I mean, it's a book, read it. Um, I never understood the idea of having a book just for shelf space. If you're not going to read it, I can understand like those really high end Thrawn books that came in those slip cases and all of that, that were a few hundred dollars, uh, when they were new, but, um, you know, something like that is collectible. Maybe you don't open those, but at least take the shrink wrap off, shrink wrap off. Cause it'll, they keep shrinking. It could, it could wreck the, the slip case that it's in. Um, so yeah, like big, huge no-no for me. I was like, oh man. And then I had to tell him like what, sometimes what books can go for secondary market unsigned in good shape. Um, I'm seeing books now that, that a lot of us have that will regularly sell for over a hundred dollars just as they are, um, minus an autograph. So yeah, that was just kind of a, um, a bit of a wild adventure that I had to, had to kind of sit there and like nod and smile with this guy and then finally wait until afterwards to tell him like, you know, if you were concerned about the money, you might've, you, you might've made more having the book. Um, but whatever to each his own, that's what he did. And like I said, he, he buys things to flip them. So 
that's on him. Uh, I'm not going to say too much more about it, uh, except that it really, really kind of broke my heart a little bit that somebody would do that. But whatever, if you're in it for the money, you know, I guess you're not in it for the right reasons to begin with, but I, whatever, that's not on me. Um, but uh, something else that happened the last couple of weeks, uh, and it was a lot of a lot of people went to do it. You know, Rogue One was back in the theaters, and the theater that we went to, the IMAX, is probably it's like a mile away from where we live right now. And that uh, that screening, uh, Jason from Blast Points was in the room, and there were some other people that were dressed up. Um, I, you know, of course, I had my Cassian jacket because you know reasons, and it was myself and my wife and my son, and we enjoyed the movie again. Um, you know, I, I know it had been in theaters or in some theaters between original release and now, and this viewing was so much fun. The group that was in that first screening that we went to, I think it was like a seven o'clock, I forget, maybe six o'clock in the evening. I think Jason saw it twice in a row, but um, that room was like, People were into it when they were into it. And, um, you know, quiet moments were, you know, it, it was fun to be in the room again with a, with a fair amount of people, um, COVID notwithstanding. But uh, it was cool to see, like, my son's reaction to it afterwards because, you know, when the movie came out, he was about to turn seven. And so he wasn't really ready, I don't think, for what Rogue One is. And, you know, for the year since it's come out, every time I wanted to watch it, he wouldn't watch it with me. He said he didn't like it because everybody died, which I can understand. But, you know, we would try to tell him that, you know, it's their sacrifice that makes everything else in Star Wars happen. And that's kind of like some of the latest ads for, for Andor are basically selling that, that before the fall of the Empire, before Luke's shot, you know, that rebels got together. Um, and a rebellion started. So leaving the movie this time around, um, and if you listen to Blast Points, which you should, um, I had sent them a voicemail saying exactly this, but if you don't listen to Blast Points, I'm going to tell you that my son had a change of heart after the movie. We were sitting in, in the lobby, uh, standing in the lobby afterwards, and he said, you know, Dad, I, I think I get it now. Now, mind you, he's 12 now. So he goes, I think I get it now. Um, he goes, I didn't like it before when they all died, but they didn't die for nothing. It was kind of like Luke in The Last Jedi where he sacrificed himself so that other people could keep fighting and give hope to the galaxy. And he was like, I really like this movie now. So that was cool to see him have um, a change and to have like a mental maturity to finally really grasp it in the moment and, you know, not having us you know, tell him over and over again exactly what it is, which, I mean, he knew all of that, but if for something, if for some reason it just clicked this time, uh, seeing it. And, um, it was great being there in the theater again. And, you know, we took some pictures and the big poster, we didn't get posters. I saw a lot of people were getting posters from the IMAX screenings. I guess our theater didn't have them. Um, but regardless, you know, it was, it was really cool to see the movie again on the big screen, obviously leading up to, um, and or, um, I want to talk about a couple of moments in the movie that kind of really got us. You know, obviously in the beginning when you see the ring of Kafreen was really cool to see on, a, on an IMAX screen. Um, the first opening shots over, um, oh boy, I can't even think of the name of the planet that, that Galen and his family are on in the beginning. Um, but the, like the black sands and all of that and seeing Krennic's shuttle landing um, was really cool to see on an IMAX screen. Um, the, you know, there are lines that kind of become their own kind of memes. And, you know, something that Blast Points kind of started, they talk about Cassian's gloves <laughs> quite a bit. And so in the theater, when, you know, the stormtroopers, you know, come up on him and Tivik, uh, and he's talking about oh, my gloves, like, you know, we kind of chuckled a little bit during that moment. Um, later on in the movie, when there's the, uh, what is she proposing? line pops up like I laughed my head off. I might have been the only one in the whole theater who laughed at that part. Uh it's just such an absurd line. And the way the the sound separation was in that theater, it sounded like it was way off in the like it was sounded like somebody in the theater yelling the line and not coming from the screen. It was the separation of the sound. It was like way off in a corner. Um and it made me laugh. Um 
but seeing the scene, like the whole battle over Scarif, I mean, it's one of my favorite things in Star Wars to begin with. But to see it on that screen with that sound, um, the when the Hammerhead Corvette pushes the one Star Destroyer into the other one, like, oh my lord, that it's one of my favorite things anyway. But it was so cool to see it on that screen, seeing Radis and the rest of the Rebel fleet come in. Um, you know, just little lines and being able spotting chopper rolling around was a big thing for, um, for my son to like, he's pointing at the screen like that Leonardo, Leonardo DiCaprio meme. There goes chopper hearing, uh, general Sindula, um, the little Easter eggs that we didn't really catch the first time around, um, experience all of that again was, was something else. And to know that this movie made like another million dollars. It's opening weekend, that first weekend that it was in theaters. I think it was in theaters for a couple weeks. Um, and uh, put itself back on like the top 10 IMAX, you know, grossing move, whatever, um, which was really cool. Um, and uh, yeah, just to be part of all of that, be there with Star Wars fans again in a theater setting, because uh, we know that shit's not going to happen for a while from what we're hearing. Um, but um, yeah, that was really cool. And then to know that, you know, the drive home was only about five minutes, because like I said, that theater is basically right down the street. Um, but that was really fun. So there's been some news things that have happened in the last couple of weeks, guys. I'm not going to talk about everything, but there are a few things that I do want to talk about. Um, so production on a lot of shows is happening or ramping up. So obviously like Ahsoka's filming, we know that. And uh, Skeleton Crew's got some stuff going on. But there's been casting news or rumors for The Acolyte. And uh, we knew about Amanda Stenberg uh, being cast as the lead we don't know names. I don't think I'm sure there's some leaks and scoopers have some information. I'm not really paying attention to that stuff really much at all anymore. Um, I didn't, you know, I just want to watch the things as they are and take them in as they are. Um, but joining her. And I think this announcement came out sometime last week. Uh, Jody Turner Smith, uh, has, uh, reportedly been cast. These, these three are not confirmed by Lucasfilm. Um, so take them with a grain of salt, but you know, they're being, put out by the big trades um, and talking about um, them possibly being involved. So Jody Turner-Smith, uh, she was in um, Queen and Slim. She's in a movie coming out soon called White Noise with Adam Driver. Um, she's also, she's married to Joshua Jackson. Um, and uh, so it was cool to see her. She's a woman of color uh, and uh, she looks great. You know, I can see her. I mean, if she's, a dark sider also. Um, I don't know. I can just see her wearing like really slick Sith kind of clothing. I, she's got that look um, that I think it would be, it would fit really well with her, uh, her physique, you know? So that would be, I, that's all. I mean, we don't know anything about any characters that they might be playing. She could be an alien as, as you know, doing a voice for all I know, but that's just kind of the image I got for her. But joining her, is uh, Lee Jung Jae, who was the lead in Squid Game. Now, I haven't seen Squid Game, um, but I've heard nothing but good things about it. So um, he's an Asian actor. Um, and I believe he just won an Emmy for Squid Game. So there you go. Emmy nominated, uh, Emmy winner, winning actor uh, in The Acolyte. And we've also had um, Manny uh, Jacinto, or Jacinto, I believe is his last name. Um, he was in Top Gun Maverick. And, um, I haven't seen Maverick cause I have no interest in it. Um, doesn't do anything for me, but, um, if you've seen it and I mean, you know, apparently people like all of that too. And it's made a ton of, it's made all the money. It made all of 2022's money basically. Um, so uh, he's reportedly joined the cast. Um, and, uh, Charlie Barnett is the last rumored person to join the cast or at least is in talks to join. Uh, and this one came up just the other day, Charlie Barnett was in Russian Doll. Uh, he was also in Chicago Fire, I think, a couple of other things. But uh, most recently, he was in Russian Doll, at least for my viewing. Uh, we really like Russian Doll. It's not my favorite show, uh, but it is cool. Uh, his character is really cool. He's got this sweet mustache in uh, season two. And uh, Russian Doll is, I think, was created and produced and written by Leslie Hadland. Uh, at least if season one, I think season two, Natasha Leon was, 
I think a co-writer and producer uh, for season two. Uh, either way, uh, if he's joining the cast, like it makes sense because he's worked with Leslie before. Um, so lots of um, co- different colors in the uh, representation here for the Acolyte, which I think is really cool. Um, and you know, I'm sure we'll probably start getting some more specifics uh, in the next few months for what the Acolytes. I know there's rumors out there for the show, um, character names in some locations and things like that. Um, and if you're not familiar with what the Acolyte is, it's supposed to take place, I believe, uh, they're saying it's at the end of the end of the High Republic era. Um, but I forget what the time span is before the Phantom Menace. If it's like 60 or 90 years, something like that. Um, but it's a decent amount of time beforehand. So it will be cool to see what the Sith are doing at that time when they're supposed to be in hiding. I mean, you know, the, the Jedi believe that they are extinct. They, you know, they haven't seen them in a thousand years. Um, and uh, after Andor, when the big all the big announcements came in December of 20... What the hell year was that when they <laughs> did that? Oh, 2019 or 2020, I forget. Um, this was the other show that I was most excited for. It was always Andor first. Like, always, always, always Andor. Uh, and this show was seen the most intriguing because it's a different perspective in Galaxy. Seeing something that's more um, focused on the dark side, I think, is uh, is really cool. And something that we I don't think we've really seen um, in Star Wars. Get, we get it in the books, but we don't really get it on TV. So... Uh, some of the other kind of big news that's happened in the last week or so, you know, D23 happened and they showed us uh, three trailers. We had a trailer for uh, Mando season three, we had a trailer for Tales of the Jedi and a trailer for the final trailer for Andor. Uh, the Andor trailer, I mean, just put it in my veins. Like As it is right now, as of recording, we're only a few days away from the show coming up. The premieres already happened. Uh, we're going to talk about that in a second. But, you know, we're getting three episodes. The runtimes are out there for them. They are, each of the first three episodes is somewhere between like 35 and 45 minutes, I want to say. So you're probably looking at a, roughly about an hour and 45 minutes of showtime uh, that some of us will be... <laughs> Uh, either staying up for late Tuesday night or getting up for early Wednesday morning. I think I'm going to go with the Wednesday morning route. Um, and, you know, the trailer, I, I don't know what else there is to say about the look of this show. Um, we'll get into specifics about that maybe in, in a second. But let's talk about um, Tales of the Jedi. So this was, the trailer that they released is the same trailer that they showed at Celebration. Uh, that somebody recorded and it got out. Same with the Mando season three trailer with a few changes, but the tales of the Jedi trailer um, looks really cool. You know, it's in the same style as kind of the clone wars uh, and bad batch. <laughs> well, bad batch. Uh, let's talk about that for just a quick second. The only news that we got from bad batch was that it was coming out January 4th um, of 2023. <laughs> and I got to say when that news got out, um, I laughed. I, <laughs> if you listen to the show, guys, you know my feelings on the Bad Batch. I don't hate it, but it is far from my favorite Star Wars thing. Um, you know, and I don't know if you remember it. There was a Star Wars Insider uh, page from early in the year that said it was supposed to be releasing sometime in the spring of 2022, and then there were rumors that it was going to be sometime in the fall, namely September 28th, uh, which is next week. <laughs> And to see that they're pushing it back to January just kind of made me laugh. It's kind of like they don't know what to do with it, it seems. And I get it. It's scheduling and it's streaming and, you know, wanting to keep subscriptions and all of that kind of stuff. I get it. Um, but this is the thing that they keep pushing back. Um, if if it was even ready to go, you know, uh, six months ago, who knows? But we'll get it and it'll be fine. I'm, I'm hoping for some more character development out of Bad Batch. That was one of my big issues with the first season. I just felt like where it started is where it ended. Characters didn't really change a whole lot except for Omega. Um, and I wanted to see more from Crosshair because that's my dude. But enough about that. So the Tales of the Jedi uh, looks cool. It's two, three story, three episode um, arcs. Uh, one about Ahsoka, the other about Dooku. Uh, from what I understand, they're relatively short, 15 to 20 minutes long each. 
and they're all releasing on the same day, October 26th, um, which and or will be out that same day too. So pick your battles. Which one are you watching first? I'm watching Andor first, but um, I'm clearly going to watch Tales of the Jedi too. And this is one of those things where uh, I've talked to Hawes from Blue Harvest about this, like using that title, we were both really stoked on the possibility of it having to do with the legends, the now legends comic book with uh, Eula Keldroma and Nomi Sunrider, all of that stuff. Uh, but it's not. Um, but it does present a lot of possibilities for what could be coming if they decide to do another chapter of this and, you know, other Jedi that they can follow or get into other kinds of stories in Star Wars, uh, do a Tales of the Sith or do a Tales of the Rebellion or Tales of the Empire or whatever. Um, there's a lot of different avenues that they can explore with this. And uh, speaking of tales, what the hell's going on with the droids tale? We haven't heard anything about that yet, but it's uh, going on Lucasfilm. I'd like to know. Um, but yeah, the trailer looked cool. A lot of cool looking Dooku moments. He sounded a hell of a lot like Alan Rickman. I don't, listen, I put that up on Twitter after the trailer came out. I'm sure other people mention it. I didn't see it, but I have heard people talk about that on shows. And I'm like, are you guys, are you guys following me? Are you guys reading my tweets? Um, Cause if you are, I mean, that's pretty cool. Just, uh, you know, let me know. Um, I'm kidding. I don't care. But um, yeah, I mean, it looked cool seeing him with the blue blade. It looks like he's already getting into some darkish kind of shenanigans. Um, is that Qui-Gon's funeral he's at? Was there like a ceremonial uh, a cerem- ceremonial funeral? That's hard to say. At the Jedi Temple. Um, and how long after that does he leave the Order? Because he's in Padawan. Um, well, Padawan would have been beforehand. But they make it out in Padawan like he's already left the Order and he comes back to visit. And Qui-Gon basically explains to Obi-Wan that they allow for an open door because everybody has a chance for rec- redemption or forgiveness or something like that. I forget what it is specifically. Um, so, um, yeah, I don't know what's going on with the timeline there. We'll, uh, we'll find out next month. Um, and uh, obviously the Ahsoka stuff. I mean, it's a Filoni joint, so he's gonna Ahsoka's going to be everywhere forever. It, whenever she dies out, who knows? Um, but... Um, you know, seeing her as a baby, seeing her mom, Pav T, which uh, was one of the questions on the Dragon Con um, thing from like a week or two ago. And uh, I got it wrong. But um, I think I'll, I'll never forget it now because then the show is going to help. But, um, you know, there's uh, the look of there's an Inquisitor who I saw somebody on Twitter say something like, uh, I wonder if that's um, a Kalish, like Grievous, before Grievous does all of the. Um, body modifications or whatever. Um, is it another retcon from the Ahsoka novel? Who knows? If it is, I don't really care. You know, the book still exists. Um, I'm not going to talk about a bunch of the other EK stuff if you're following that right now. But um, the if it does retcon more of the book, again, like I said, I don't really give a damn. Um, if you like the book, and I enjoyed the book. It's not my favorite, but I enjoyed it. It doesn't change. It's like the legend stuff now. You know, if it doesn't, if it's not canon, like, you know, I still enjoy picking up the odd Legends book from, you know, time and again and just kind of going through them and see. But I found myself when I do read Legends, I'm reading the books that aren't connected to the Skywalker saga, or I do. Um, So like, you know, reading Revan or Into the Void, uh, books like that, that they can still be canonical if you care about that thing. Um, I don't really care. I just like a good story. so, I mean, we'll see how far they go with the Ahsoka part of Tales of the Jedi. But then, like I said, we got well, we got to look at Ahsoka, uh, the show. They showed us a couple of stills, uh, one of Rosario Dawson and one of um, oh, uh, the actress who plays um, Sabine is standing in front of the Rebels mural. Um, Bordizzo, her last name. I'm forgetting her name, guys. I'm really sorry. But... Um, yeah, so those look pretty cool. Nothing new except to say that they're filming. Uh, Mando season three looks pretty badass. Uh, this season looks bigger than the previous two. Uh, it looks like Mando's going to Mandalore, and he's going to um, the the mines of Mandalore. You know, we see Sundari looks all fucked up. We see um, Bo-Katan is looking. I think they're they're doing a little. 
some stuff with the trailer to make it look like Bo-Katan is kind of the kind of the quote unquote villain of this season. I don't know if that's the case or not. I think the armor is kind of the one to pose more of a threat to Mando because I think she's very, and Mando's in a weird place. He's kind of stuck in between the two of them um, as far as like ideologically speaking. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, we, uh, you know, I watched the trailer when it came out a few months ago, you know, seeing it in a higher definition was obviously really cool, but I'm ready for the show to be here. You know, we had February, they said February at celebration. Now it just says, I think spring 2023. Um, so there's no hard date for it, but uh, hey, it looked cool. The, the music sounded great. So I meant to bring this up before. There's a familiar like vocal piece in the Mando trailer that was also, it's a, in this, it's, I know, I'm pretty sure it's not the same, but in the, the Andor trailer that King Tom and I talked about a couple episodes ago, there's a, a similar kind of vocal beat that seems to be in both. And it reminded me of, uh, if you guys have all seen Akira, uh, the classic uh, Japanese animation movie from, was it like 1988, I think. There's a scene in the movie where a riot starts and they show like, there's like a, uh, like a religious leader is like kind of on this plinth and he's like being carried through this thing and his riot starts. But in the beginning of that, there's this like a very similar vocal piece that has that kind of like, it's almost like a wind chime effect, but with the voice, how like there's like a staggered and layered tones. Um, it, it reminded me very much of that. And what it reminds me of for Akira is that scene is like, everything's about to erupt. Like there's, I guess a, a riot starts uh, in that scene. Um, and so like everybody's on edge. There's just like, a ton of stuff going on and then it's like it's like a powder keg it just does and that's the feeling that i get both from andor and from mando season three when that music hits and that's what we're going to get in both of these shows we obviously we get the, the birth of a rebellion uh, in andor and then with mando season three we could start to see the reclamation of mandalore um redefining what it means to be a mandalore um dinjarin coming into his own as a Mandalorian and potentially as a leader. Cause it looks like he might be leading um, a, a band of them. Um, so maybe thematically that's where this thing is going. Uh, obviously, you know, Grogu's all over this thing. Bogatan seems to be almost threatening uh, Grogu by saying, you know, did you think your, did you think your father was the only one? Um, things like that. Um, yeah, again, we're not, this isn't like a beat for beat breakdown of the thing. Listen to, uh, children of the watch, listen to Alex and Mac do breakdowns on uh, Mandalorian stuff. Cause those guys are really good at it, but yeah, I like just thematically what this show feels like for season three seems a lot bigger. It's you know, obviously there's more space stuff that's going on. Um, it was, uh, it, it's cool to see it all again. You know, it, it is exciting to know that, you know, we're a few months away from the next season of the Mandalorian. Um, and, you know, some of the other stuff from D3, there was a little bit of indie. There was, they talked about Willow. Um, we got a picture of uh, Skeleton Crew and uh, Jude Law wearing a scarf because, uh, you know, scarves in Star Wars, that's a thing. Um, so, yeah, but I mean, it wasn't really much else for Star Wars. So, like, the, the Star Wars part of D3 was a little, wasn't lacking. Um, you know, there was content there, but it wasn't nothing really groundbreaking. There were no announcements. There were no movie. There was nothing about any movies. Um, if you went there or were paying attention, trying to get some movie news, that's a, that's a huge letdown. Um, nothing about Taika, nothing about anything. And to that end, just a few days ago, um, Patty Jenkins Rogue Squadron, which had been on the schedule to release December of 2023. Guess what? It ain't there no more. That movie is in the world between worlds. We don't know what the hell's going on with this thing. It's off the schedule. So, um, personally speaking, and I'm saying this for me, I know a lot of people were excited about this movie. I know, especially Alex uh, from Star Wars Explained. He's a big pilot, uh, pilots guy. Um, I can dig it. I like the like the Blue Squadron from Rogue One. I love the Alphabet Squadron books. Uh, those were a lot of fun. Um, dense reads, but very good. 
And this movie, um, if it was any other Star Wars movie that had been taken off the schedule, I would have been upset. Since it's this movie, I'm not upset. I'm also not surprised. Um, we haven't heard anything about it in a while. We know that there was some scheduling shakeup a few months ago. You know, Patty's got some other movies coming out. Um, I'm going to say this for me. I'm not a huge fan of Patty Jenkins movies. Um, I thought the first Wonder Woman was, it was fine. I mean, it falls apart in the third act, I think. It was cool. Um, Wonder Woman 84 was not for me. I did not like it. Um, and I'm being very kind with <laughs> with my words for Wonder Woman 84. But I know a lot of people do like it. And I, a, lot, a lot of people do like her as a director. Um, I'm not one of them. But uh, do I want to see another Star Wars movie in the next year? Absolutely. Would I have gone to see this movie? A doy. Of course I would have been there to see this movie because it's Star Wars. Um, but I might have gone into it with a little chip on my shoulder, expecting it not to be great because of my feelings for her as a director. But um, I would have been very pleased to have like my mind changed about it. And that's always what I want when I have low expectations for things um, to come out on the other side with a completely changed perspective. And I was, I was hoping for that, um, but I wasn't super excited for this particular movie. So the fact that this is off the schedule tells me a couple of things. Um, a, they don't know what they're doing in the movie space yet. Uh, B, they've been focusing a lot of their attention on the TV side of things. Uh, and C, uh, Patty Jenkins is probably just really busy because she also has Wonder Woman three. And I believe she's directing another, uh, Cleopatra movie. Um, whatever. So there's a lot happening there, guys. And if you want to read the tea leaves, however you want, you can put any kind of spin on it that you want. But the facts are that this movie is not coming out next year. The next movie on the schedule is not till December of 2025. Uh, remember, December 2024, I believe, is when the next Avatar movie is coming out. I think there's one this year and then one in 24. Um, I mean, whatever. Unless they push it to May of 25, bring it back in that summer space again. Um, yeah, who knows? But um, yeah, it was weird to not get any news and then to find out this specific news about Rogue Squadron being kind of kicked down the road somewhere. But again, you know, nothing on um, whatever Tyke is doing, the the Kevin Feige supposed produced movie. Um, there's a few other names that were attached to movies. I think like Damon Lindelof, I think was attached to a thing at one time, or at least rumored to be. Um, I know there were a few other names that were attached to movies, but you know, nothing's nothing's uh borny fruit at this at this point so and you know in the last couple of weeks we heard brian johnson talking about his trilogy still on the table but it's a matter of scheduling you know he's got glass onion coming out um you know, big deal with netflix i mean he made his, he's got a lot of money coming in for that so i mean he's that's who's paying him right now so that's who he's going to work for and whatever he's doing for star wars i'm sure will come um but you know that was something that he talked about in empire magazine and uh, you know, I'm going to say this again with Potathon, the interview that he did with Alden. Um, if, if it's part of the stream, watch it. If you don't listen to Octu Radio, listen to it. I need to. I don't know if Alden's going to release it on its own. Um, I haven't seen it yet, uh, just in the audio form. I'd like to listen to it again. Um, but what I mean, the way he talked about the actors with Daisy and uh, and Kelly and John and everybody and how dedicated they were to the movie itself, uh, making the Last Jedi. I'm sorry. Um, his writing process, a lot of stuff like that. You know, Alden really knows how to get to uh, the heart of his questions. He's he's a fantastic interviewer, and you know, go listen to his show. I mean, he recently he recently interviewed um, Mercedes Vernado, uh, Sasha Banks. Uh, she's in The Mandalorian. Costco Reeves. Um, yeah, he, he's it's on. Everything he does is fire right now. So, but um, so but you know, back to just the movie stuff. You know, there was nothing about Ryan's movies, but he says that they're still happening. Um, so, you know, in the meantime, we've got a ton of TV stuff. And to that end, speaking about Star Wars in the theater space, um, this just a couple of days ago, there was a launch event. I don't think they call it a premiere, but they call it the launch event for Andor. Uh, and this happened in Hollywood. And a lot of our friends were got invited to this screening. It was a big red carpet affair. The cast was there. My dude Diego was there. Um, Adria Arjona was there and, you know, the, the whole cast, um, 
at seeing, you know, friends walk that red carpet, taking pictures, Alex and Molly, Alden, Brian and Chase from Pink Milk. Um, uh, Tord Fox was there, Sky Talkers, um, a lot of other people that are in the fandom space, either as podcasters or reviewers or whoever. They all got to see, I believe, the first three episodes. Excuse me, I burped again. Um, and the embargo was lifted on the first spoiler-free reviews of the show for people who had seen it, even people who got screeners that they watched at home, a lot of reviewers and stuff like that. Um, but to hear some of the descriptive words of this show, um, being that it is uh, political and it is real and it is about colonialism and imperialism, not in the sense of the empire being imperialist, but just imperialism as um, governance. Um, Alden, in his little kind of review, he talked about the, quote, audacity of Andor, that this show is going to a place that is not at all subtle. Um, And, you know, you're going to hear a lot of chuckleheads talking about how this show was woke and it's anti, you know, whatever. Um, hey, guess what, dickheads? It's not supposed to be. Why would it be subtle? It is about politics. Um, like it or not, the empire, fascism is politics. Um, it is a system of governance over a people. And especially for this story, it is a switch of governance over a galaxy. That is politics. And that's what this show is. And that's one of the things that I've been the most hyped for, knowing that uh, Tony Gilroy is attached. The man is a rock star as far as I'm concerned. Because um, he didn't write a Star Wars show. He wrote a spy show in the Star Wars galaxy. Um, all of the cast seems to be selling that point that you can dress up this story in any other skin and it would work. But framing it in this universe in Star Wars just adds to, it just throws another layer on it because it is galactic. It's bigger. You can do space battles and the the level of espionage is going to be something completely different. Um, but, you know, when we watched Rogue One a few weeks ago and they had the, the big nine minute clip um, ahead of the movie, which is now on Disney Plus, um, the way that that scene was shot with these like dropping I don't even know what the hell they were like these things on chains, um, like the, the, the actual physical weight of them, the danger that they seem to be in the way that Stellan Skarsgård and Diego Luna are acting against each other. Um, there's a lot of visible tension between them. The stakes are really high. Um, from what I gather from some of these early reactions to it, a lot, a lot of people are saying similar things about it being, um, real about it being something visceral, um, and not at all subtle. And that's exactly what I've wanted. You know, I, I make jokes about, you know, Diego and physical appearances and things like that. Um, but if he wasn't a good actor, <laughs> well, a they probably wouldn't have him doing a thing, but if you can't sell the story on screen, you know, what good is the name? You know what I mean? Like of, of the, the performer, if they don't do a good job with it and listening to his interviews and how excited he's been to be involved with it. I mean, they start filming season two in a couple of months, I think very soon. Um, and how it's all going to lead up to Rogue One. But, you know, hearing his excitement for it, how he talks about uh, this being almost like an immigrant story, knowing his backstory. Um, you know, being from Fest, knowing that this first season is basically going to take place on Ferrix, I believe uh, they've said. Um, how he gets sucked into this, how he has a change of heart and decides to fight for something that he believes in. Um, you know, we all talk about his speech from Rogue One, the um, I've been in this fight since I was six years old speech. That it's it's like Rogue One was born from the crawl of A New Hope. And the show Andor was born of that speech from Rogue One. You know, it's like literally 
peeling back the layers of the onion to get to the core of this thing. And right now it's this story about Andor and Mon Mothma and how, you know, this, a rebellion is, is started at least for them and how this thing will blossom and turn into a bigger fight to save the soul of the galaxy. Um, you know, I've talked about what I think the show is going to be about. I think it's about identities. I think it's about what it means to uh, find yourself in a position where you have to change who you become to fight for a better tomorrow, um, to do things that you may not be proud of. You know, Cassian talks about saboteurs and assassins and how everything he did was for the rebellion. We're going to see those things. And some of them might be hard to watch. Um, you know, the, the show does not look like it's going to be something that, you know, younger kids should really be watching, you know, maybe not for its violence, but thematically, like with my son, he didn't understand Rogue One until the last time we saw it. Um, so some things may go over their head, you know, I'm Isaac's going to watch it with us or watch it with me. Um, and I'm excited for his reactions, um, as much as how I feel about it just on my own, because I want to be wowed. I want to be surprised. I want to feel things in the story that I maybe haven't felt before. Um, and, you know, a part of that, a, a small part of that for me is representation, you know, having Diego and Adria on screen be the faces for this part of the story. Um, it's a big deal. It's not, it doesn't sell the story for me, but it's a big deal. Um, seeing characters like that for me personally, like that, that representation, it does matter the same way that uh, Hector Huerta in uh, Wakanda Forever as um, as Namor uh, kind of shook me in a way that I wasn't expecting it. I, I want part of that for Andor to see this, this migrant story, uh, you know, what it means to flee and fight at the same time and to not just live, but to survive. Um, you know, there, there's going to be a lot of heavy stuff in this show. And I, like I said, from day one, I've been shouting from the rooftops about this show. And, you know, another thing, you know, as much as it's, it's going to be very grounded and very real and very human, um, you remember when they did that, that behind the scenes reel at that, uh, that when the announcement happened, there was a, a moment where they were, they showed Neil Scanlon's workshop and there's a ton of aliens and prosthetics behind him. Um, we're going to get a lot of that too. You know, like book of Boba Fett had its, uh, alien costumes and, you know, Mando had its, the movies didn't show classic characters, which I'm fine with, but it was a lot of news. And like, as a creator, why would, I don't want to make somebody else's thing. I want to make my own. Um, it, there was one small clip of Cassian and another guy with an alien behind him. And like, it just, it felt like it belonged there, you know, not to mention just how they filmed this thing in, you know, on sets and on location uh, primarily, but um, we talk about humanity, but in the guise of the diversity of the galaxy, because humanity is emotions. It is, motivations it is all of these things that regardless of the physiology of the person who's feeling them for us that's what's relatable that is our quote-unquote humanity and we'll see some of that in these other characters uh even to see you know the deception and um backstabbing some of these other things that are also very quote-unquote human things um you know, to see that kind of realism in star wars it's just something that I'm, i've been very very excited about um, you know, like I said, seeing Rogue One a few weeks ago was got me excited for it. Seeing that first trailer a couple weeks ago got me really excited for it. But seeing friends invited to the premiere a few days ago also got me excited for it. Um, because it's just us. It's just we're fans. We're it's just people <laughs> that, uh, as content creators, you know, got asked to go see this thing and talk about it and and. A share a space with the creators and the cast and crew uh, and be in that room with them. And some people got to actually physically speak with them and take pictures and things like that, which I think is really, really awesome. So everybody that was there, if you're listening, uh, anybody who was there that's listening, uh, good on you. Uh, you deserve to be there. Um, 
But uh, that's going to start to wrap it up for us guys. You know, there's been a lot and, you know, there's still personally a lot of transition and getting used to the new place and, you know, kiddo with school and uh, unpacking things, um, you know, just adjusting to our lives here. Uh, I don't know how I'm going to be doing reviews for Andor. I might just do, I might steal a play from our buddy Hans Burkhart at Blue Harvest. And I might watch these things in the car in the morning and just record my reaction like flat out, like right there on my phone. So if the audio quality is not great, you're maybe I'll just do like a raw reaction that way and get a short episode out. Um, I There will be more episodes of Jam Transmissions as the and or airs. Um, I don't know if, like, if I'm going to do like full breakdowns week to week. Uh, it's 12 episodes, guys. It's going to be a lot of stuff. Uh, I do know that I'll be guesting on some other shows um, and I will probably have guests on to talk about it uh, as we go forward. So just uh, keep your eyes and ears open and um, episodes will drop when they drop. If it's one a week or two a week and one of those is just a quick reaction, who knows? Um, We'll see how things go. And uh, coming up in the next couple of months too, guys, uh, regardless, outside of Andor and Tales of the Jedi, books are coming back. Um, there's so much shit, guys. I don't know how we do it. We suffer for <laughs> Star Wars by giving up so much of our time. Um, I'm like behind in comics, like maybe a month. I went to my shop and picked up all my books and I was like, oh my God, uh, spent some money that I wasn't prepared for. But uh, the High Republic is starting up again. And that's something else that I've been really, really excited for. Uh, the way phase one ended with, um, I think Midnight Horizon was the last novel to come out, but I don't think it was the last chronological novel that came out. Um, the way that book ends and planting seeds for phase two, um, what we know what's happening with um, Dalna and Marcian Rose family at this point, because remember it is going back further, another 150 years. Um, but those first two books come out in just a couple of weeks, guys, like something like two or three weeks away from right now. Um, we're going to be getting... Um, Path of Deceit by Tessa Gratton and Justina Ireland and Quest for the Hidden City uh, written by George Mann. And uh, George Mann was responsible for the um, Myths and Fables books that uh, he did with Kevin Scott. Uh, just fantastic stuff, guys. Go go seek them out. Um, but those come out, yeah, sometime in October. I forget the date, October 7th or something. Excuse me, I burped again. And, um, and then in November, this was a little bit of a bummer. Um, Zoraida Cordova's uh, convergence was delayed. I think it was supposed to come out near the end of October, but is now coming out in November. Um, guys, if you're book collectors, the um, Goldsboro edition of Convergence is available. Um, it comes with sprayed pages. It'll be signed. I will say this about Goldsboro. Be patient with your orders, guys. Uh, from what I understand, it is a small operation and it takes some time. Uh, if you're expecting, if you order the book and you expect it to come out the week of release, that's not going to happen. Um, so be patient if it's taking a little bit longer than you think it should. If you send them a nicely worded email, they will do what they can to get the book out to you sooner. Um, but I have seen some people kind of complain about, uh, and justifiably so, um, why it takes a while for books to get sent out from Goldsboro. Um, but I don't complain about it. I wait for the books. Uh, I will do audio if I can't get the book right away. Um, I have no problems with that. I have an Audible account and it's great. Um, but uh, yeah, so High Republic starting up again. The comics are starting up again. On top of the mainline stuff that's already coming out with Star Wars and Vader, Bounty Hunters and Dr. Aphra. Then you're going to throw on the High Republic. You've got the hyperspace stories. You've got a Yoda miniseries that's starting up. Han Solo and Chewbacca. There's so much stuff, guys. We have an embarrassment of riches when it comes to Star Wars. And I know for a lot of people, it's not easy to take all of the content in. I don't know how I do it. Sometimes I don't know why I do it. When I do know why I do it, it's because I love it. And I love punishing myself by burying myself in like the trash compactor that is Star Wars content sometimes. It is so much shit. And there's so much stuff coming that it's it can seem overwhelming. Um, but you know what? You don't have to read it all. If you want to know what's going on, there will be shows, uh, maybe like this one, who will break things down for you and kind of keep you abreast of what's going on in the Star Wars galaxy. But guys, 
I think that is going to do it for this week uh, for episode 120 of Jam Transmissions. Um, you can follow the show on Twitter at JT Comlink. You can follow me on Twitter at Cad Baines Bounty, where I'm just posting up all kinds of dumb shenanigans. Uh, you can send us uh, an email or a voicemail to comlink, C-O-M-L-I-N-K, at jammedtransmissions.com. Uh, I apologize if you did send something out. I did not check the emails before this. This was a very impromptu last-minute recording, so I will check soon, and hopefully there will be uh, something there. Um, and uh, I think that's going to do it, guys. If I'm forgetting anything, uh, if there's anything you want to holler at me about, uh, please do. I'm around. Um, but until next time, I will say, may that force be with you.